And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. (laughs) He's Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. Red Eye Radio Election 2024 Headquarters. Our live coverage continues our election 2024 continues it wasn't it wasn't here five minutes ago yeah i know we just (laughs) just started right before we cracked the mic i was like yeah what happened oh yeah michigan um but yeah uh we were talking um as as alan cued the music uh we were talking about uh some some things that we're going to talk about here in, in a bit and and the majority of americans now support a wall yeah, there's and and I, when I read that, this is right before the music's playing, and that, that's yeah, why I was yeah. laughing when we came in. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like, well, if the majority of Americans in the new polling, for the first time, support a wall, I yeah. said, then Trump wins, and then you brought out what we talked about yesterday <laughs> that if Trump is convicted, see, uh huh, there you go, good, 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 and for the. For those who don't know, yesterday I kept saying indicted instead of convicted. Eric must have corrected me three or four times. Well, <laughs> like, the, the lawyers from The View called and said, hey, guys, it's convicted. <laughs> we, we, we never have to correct you guys, but we felt we would jump in on this one. And, and so, so Eric says, well, on top of that, with, the, with the, the, the polling out yesterday that shows that if he's convicted, if he's convicted, which would January basically... 16th. The January 6th, it'd be for insurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he's convicted of insurrection, he wins by a greater margin than if he than if he isn't convicted. Yeah, right. For he an insurrection. And in the it, polls. And we just we just started laughing, said, oh, well, and then it'll be a land. If all this stuff is correct, if these polls are correct, it's a landslide. This could be a landslide. <laughs> I mean, this could be a landslide. Here's the thing. Uh, what was the one story? I don't think we got into it, but the one story uh, yesterday about some liberals saying, uh, which state was it? They say they don't uh, they're not going to be quick to certify the race 
uh, the election if if Trump wins. No, these that, this, is, this is this is this is a Democrats talking. This I I believe it was a story in the Atlantic. Okay, saying that uh, uh, Democrats now are thinking, uh, and it just isn't one state. It's just there are Democrats okay. out okay. there in Congress mm. that are now saying if uh, if Trump wins, if Trump wins. Yeah. And, and I'm just throwing this in. If Trump wins, it will be legitimate. But I want to put that word in there. Right. If he wins legitimate in, in a legitimate way. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, no. No question. No question. Right. The election is stolen by right. Trump. Or anything. Yeah. Still, they will vote not to certify him. Right. And you're right. We never really got into the and we'll do that a little bit later on because that's really just amazing because that's pre-rigged. Well, that's it. They're already <laughs> saying it. Pre- well, but it's you know it's a like uh, it's a lot like what happened in 2016. People forget about it because of the whole January 6th thing. But go back to the spring of 2017. You know it was a couple of months after, mm-hmm. even a couple of months into his presidency. You know Nancy Pelosi and and all of them were still saying he's not a legitimate president. The whole thing, and then they 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 sound and and then made so much up about January 6th, which didn't apply. It was not an insurrection, um, but. They always make it sound like they've never seen anyone do that before. And it's like, you guys just did it a few years ago. And, you know, now they're doing it in February. The conversation is already being had for an election that doesn't even happen until November. So for Democrats, yeah, you have seen that before. You're doing it. And as usual, you're accusing the other side of doing what you're actually guilty of. But yeah, it's, I mean, if you look at that, the polls, the the, the majority of Americans supporting a, a, a wall, because in 2016, 2017, it was definitely the majority of Americans were for securing, securing the border. You brought the wall into it, and then they would go, eh, we don't know about a wall, we don't know. And then, you know, that would change the polls a little bit. And now the majority support a wall. And if that if that holds and the fact that people will be uh, they will feel, uh, I guess, obligated, more will feel obligated to vote for him if he's convicted on the January 6th thing. (laughs) There's no telling where this thing lands out without you know. think about that. The border issue is a lot like we're seeing similarities to 2016. We're seeing a high-profile death at the hands of an illegal immigrant. We're seeing, um, and that story continues, and and, and my gosh, the morbid, uh, some of the morbid details coming out of that. I know. I mean, it was just, just unbelievable. And then, you know, you look at at, at, uh, the surge that's been going on for a long time, and it's so much worse now than it was in 2016, and... It's a direct result of Biden himself. Not that 2016 was not a direct result of Obama, but there it's so clear when you have the people that are coming here saying, oh, no, Biden told us to come here. I mean, it just turns into something politically that you can't you can't turn away from. They can't hide from this. And it's it is so fascinating, the similarities but it is like a ramped up 2016. But if these polls are any indication, who knows how this thing could turn out? It it it, it could well be a landslide. We don't like doing the whole 
red wave, red wave, and all of that, because I don't have confidence in the rest of the party, uh, the Republican Party this time around. Um, But certainly there could be, I mean, this could be a healthy win for him. And, you know, it just all depends on where where people go uh, for some of the other candidates aside from Biden. When when you look at, uh, for example, Michigan, I think the one thing, now I will say this, when when I woke up and I'm seeing these headlines, Trump wins Michigan, Biden wins Michigan, as if. That's news. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, always going to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to wake up tomorrow. It's going to be like gravity exists. Yeah. Uh, but I think the interesting thing that has come out of this and the full numbers aren't in yet. But if you look because you said red wave, which mm-hmm. means what is the excitement level of Republicans to go out and vote right. versus Democrats right. right now. And again, this is just, and this is from about 15 minutes ago mm-hmm. when I last looked at it. Uh, the Republicans in a, in a primary in Michigan yeah. roughly have pulled in. And again, it's not, it's not, you know, final yet, but roughly 300,000 more people came out and voted for uh, in the Republican primary right. than voted in the Democrat primary. Yeah, yeah, and, that's a problem. And so you look at that and you say a huge... And, and you know, the, the when they were talking about it, and I'm going to have to go back and look at and, and see how many came out in the uh, in 2020 for mm-hmm. Michigan to, to vote for, for, uh, for, for uh, Biden at that point. But mm-hmm. uh, it's really, you know, it's really low. Uh, in fact, I believe Trump himself let me just very quickly here look at this i hate doing this but <laughs> but hopefully everybody listening is in anticipation <laughs> not could you get to it hurry up here please yeah. uh trump i believe himself uh has more votes or close to it than than all of everyone that voted in the michigan primary the michigan democratic primary yeah he's got 665,000 votes you have biden with 496,000 uh uncommitted 77,000 williamson 18,000 so you have trump right now looking at this right now and uh now that's only 68 that was with 68 percent of democrats uh uh in there not Mm. and and republicans are at 81 percent but at that moment you've got trump that has more than, uh, you know, the than everybody in the, right. in in the and everybody is just Williamson and uncommitted, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but still, that's to me that's fascinating. Let me yeah. Just see, yeah, here. that's that's one of the things. Okay, you had four hundred ninety six thousand for uh, four hundred ninety six thousand for uh, Biden, uncommitted seventy seven thousand, Williamson eighteen thousand, Phillips sixteen thousand, write ins five hundred and forty three. Mm. By the way, Asa Hutchinson. Uh, on the uh, uh, Republican side, uh, had he came in last place, one thousand six hundred ninety-two votes. Mm. Who are those Hutchinson voters? Who yeah, sat exactly. there and went to the primary and said, "I got a vote in the primary, and it's Hutchinson." Unless, that, right? Yeah. Unless it's do they have mail in? No, wait a minute. Uh, he, but on he, the primary, I don't know. Hmm. Well, when he—that's true. When he 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 pulled out well, like like what eight months ago. So I mean, the mail would have gotten there by this time. I don't know about that either. I'm, I'm not. 
I'm being sarcastic. It probably <laughs> did. I have to throw the word probably in. Uh yeah, the uh you know the and 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 then, you know, the Nikki Haley just being in denial. You know, well, this isn't over. This isn't over. The media always does this. That we've we've seen this before. Really? Have we seen this before? Have we seen the delegate count right now where it is for Trump? And you, as the other person in that party, the only other really remaining candidate in the party, and you really have, in in the polls, in the rest of the states, especially when it comes to next Tuesday, you're not going to perform. You didn't, you weren't going to perform. You didn't perform in your own home state. I'm sorry. We've seen this before. We've never seen a candidate all of a sudden, come from behind. I don't know what you're hoping for, except for to make a statement. Well, I had originally thought that she was doing it because she was interested in the no labels. Yeah. Uh, nomination. If you yeah. Well, however, they do it with the the board or whoever crowning se- sele- selects it. <laughs> the 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 uh, the uh, uh, Politburo of the uh, <laughs> of the no labels party decides who's in. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Uh, but you, um, but that's not the case. No, you know, she no. We made it clear. No, I'm not going to run for, uh, for no labels. Right. And it's, and that was after they said, we're really interested in, and it, there were some quarters where they thought that they were communicating. She goes, no, I've not communicated with them at all. Right. So that's done. So why is she in it? It, because if you're trying to help yourself with, and she had a brand before now. Yeah. You know, she had yeah. a brand where if she would have, if she would have gone out early, if she would have said, okay, um, she still, I think, would have been viable in the future. Right. Uh, DeSantis is still very viable in the future. Right. Yeah, she's not as viable, nearly as viable. I don't think she's as, I don't think she's viable as a Republican as it stands right now in the future. Um, but yeah, I would, I would think, all right. Hold on to your war chest. Wait until, you know, whatever, whenever. And then you come back and say, all right, clearly the guy is going to be Donald Trump this time around. And we'll come back in the future. We're not done yet. Blah, blah, blah. You know, when she pointed to that poll that 70 percent of Americans want someone a choice other than Trump or Biden. Well, I don't know. You could look at how many different elections where they... You know, when the populist polls come out and say, well, I would rather have, you know, no, someone else. I wish it was someone else. That doesn't mean it's going to be you. Because she pointed to that poll, you know, saying the majority of Americans, she's she's pointing at that poll. That 70 percent isn't coming your way. They're not showing up for you state by state. Or in the polls. I, I can say in ton of different elections out there that i wish that there was a different republican yeah. candidate yeah. right for president right yeah or i can look at it and go mm, now i want somebody who's more who who uh will will take you know will will take the bully pulpit on on spending when you really haven't seen that with republican presidents in a long, 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 long time. Right, so right. I could say that, but it, it doesn't matter 
if I think there's somebody better, I got to find that somebody better. And so if when she says, well, 70% don't want it, uh, you know, somebody, 70% of Republicans or 70% of the, the, the public want two different candidates, mm-hmm. well, you're not the one they want. Right, exactly. It's that simple. You're exactly not the one, one they point. want. Yep. And the same thing with, with, uh, with Biden. As you can see from the polling, it was funny because I was going back and forth with my buddy Jerry yesterday, and he just said, uh, uh, he said, Michelle Obama, a, because that has come out the last couple of days. I mm-hmm. said, well, as you notice, anybody who brings up Michelle Obama is not somebody who actually is a friend of hers. Right. Uh, it's brought up as, well, she could win. And the fact is Democrats believe, the thought process is Democrats believe she can win because she doesn't stand for anything. Right. As yeah. of right now, she doesn't. She hasn't taken a stand on any issue. So we love that. I mean, she's sort of the no, <laughs> they don't need the no labels because you've got Michelle Obama who hasn't taken a position on anything. Now, we know what her positions would be because she is so incredibly <laughs> liberal. I almost said, I was thinking, okay, socialist liberal. She's so much socialist of, of a liberal. We know where she would actually stand on the issues, but she actually hasn't sat and said, here's what I believe. But right, as, right. I, as I told him, I said, look, anybody who knows her uh, and any source inside there, you know, inside has said, now they may all be lying or whatever, but everyone has said she hates politics. And we've known that from the beginning. She didn't like it when he ran for state office. She didn't like it when he ran for senator. Right. And a federal level. And she didn't like it when he ran for president. She didn't like living in the White House. Right. Everybody knows that she's not a political person. Right. And so they're throwing out. It's interesting because you've seen with the polling on Newsom and it was uh, it was uh, and I sent my buddy Jerry. He, he said, uh, he goes, well, then Newsom next. I, and I just said, I go, look at the polling. Mm-hmm. And he went, whoa, like, wow, nobody really knows this, do they? Right. That he's yeah. polling worse. Newsom polls a lot worse. Yeah. And this was in Arizona, North Carolina and Nevada. Right. Those three states, he polls the worst. Right. So we'll get, uh, we got a great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies, but the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine pre- and post-trip tire inspections and pay special attention to inflation. Tires with too little air will wear prematurely and create more resistance, which can result in increased fuel consumption, a harsher ride, and ultimately lead to a blowout. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find 
great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. Uh, he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being here. Coming up on the show, we got so much to talk about. I, I, I didn't have a lot of time. I was very busy yesterday, but every time I turned on the Fonnie Willis disqualification hearing, oh man, it was like pulling teeth. And then I thought yeah. to myself and went, "Oh, wait a minute, though. You have a lawyer questioning a lawyer." Yeah. Oh, no, it was that's the first day when she was putting on the big show, you know, um, that first day, it was like she was offended by other lawyers questioning her. Yeah. How dare you? It's funny because someone came in the room uh, while I was watching it. I pulled it up live on, on YouTube on one of the TVs and someone came in the room. I said, hush. I'm watching my stories. <laughs> and my grandma used to do with the soap operas because man, there was a ton of drama in that one. It but was Terrence, wild. Terrence Bradley would take he would take forty five seconds. Yeah, just sit there. Are you going to answer the question? Well, yeah, yeah. It was wow. They'll be going into a deep dive. Make time. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you so much uh, for uh, being here. Yes, yeah, so I'm just uh, I'm, I'm just going through. There's so many different audio cuts that, <laughs> <laughs> that I want to play today. But uh, just looking at uh, Michigan, we were talking about Michigan, uh, for example, and the uh, the the difference in the number of Republicans uh, that uh, came out versus the number of uh, of uh, of Democrats. And I had it here the the audio that I wish to play. 
Mm. Oh, where'd it go? I had it, I had it, I had it, I had it. I'm stalling, I'm stalling, I'm stalling. Mm. Uh, because it was it was uh, really good. It was Lee Zeldin who ran for, uh, uh, you know, remember, the Republican governor. Yeah. And now I can't seem to find it. I had mm. it, and now it's not here. All right, we'll grab it. Okay, we'll we'll find it here in a little bit. Uh, but it's the uh, the uh, the same thing that Trump himself, from what we've seen early on, and the the full numbers aren't in yet, himself outperformed the entire number of Democrats out there. Yeah, that yeah. were running. Yeah, right. And that's like whoa. I mean, that's that is that is. I'll say, what kind of word should I use here? That's interesting. I won't say that it will extrapolate out mm. and be the way that it will be in Michigan in November, but it is something that has to terrify uh, Democrats. Because one of the headlines that I saw was that he wins Michigan. Uh, he wins Michigan, even though uh, uh, even even though you have you know uh, Muslims against his position on Israel. Yeah. Right. You know, in Dearborn, mm-hmm. and uh, therefore the uncommitted votes. Yeah, yeah the 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 uncommitted votes. So and, the the uncommitted voting campaign, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I, I just don't know where everything went. It was I had everything lined up here, and now it's good. Mm. I don't like my computer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't like my computer. Yeah, I don't like it either. Yeah. Because uh, I'm looking here, and for some reason I can't. It's not here at the moment. Yeah. Well, we'll find it. Well, you know, it's when you look at it, uh, interesting, um, and I I didn't get through all of it just yet, so I want to be careful, but the editorial board, um, it was a couple of days ago, uh, the Donald Trump's divided Republican Party, and some interesting points made in bringing, you know, uh, Nikki Haley into the fold and, and all of that, but tell me during a primary when the party's not divided. That's the whole yeah, point. The, right. You know, I mean, you're you're going to have people in this corner and that corner. And then in November, everything starts to gel. I mean, one of the and it was the uh, just a few weeks before his passing, Andrew Breitbart on our show in 2012. You know, and I asked him one of the last questions was, Andrew, if. You know, we're looking at Mitt Romney because it it was shaping up for him to be the nominee, and he ended up being the nominee. But if if Mitt Romney is the nominee, why should conservatives vote for a moderate? And he said, "Guys, I'm you know as I as I sit here in my apartment, I'm a stone's throw from SCOTUS. It's all about SCOTUS, which is a very good answer, and, and he wasn't wrong, um, uh, Andrew Breitbart. Um, but you you always have." I mean, 2008, four years prior to that, you know, fight with me, John McCain, you know, and it was like, huh. you know, I mean, Mitt Romney was the same. Well, well, look, well look at uh, you, you and I will never forget it. Look at um, uh, 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 you, uh, Hillary. Yeah. Uh, and um, Obama. Obama. Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't make up their mind. The liberals couldn't make up their mind if they wanted the first woman president or the first black president. You and I they were divided right down, almost yep. right down the center. You and I were blown away that one time. Yeah. When we, we sat there and we, when we said, we only want Democrats to call, just Democrats. Right, right. We were amazed the number of Democrats had called that night. Right. Yeah. And it was like, 
why do you want Hillary or why do you want Obama and why? And it was a madhouse because except for one caller, this is how well we're, we have memories here. We don't live in the bubble of today, Mm -hmm. except for one caller who said Obama, because he'll keep us out of all wars. Right. Yeah. That worked out. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the, only person with an issue every single democrat and this shows you the power of identity politics which is even in the democratic voter because this goes back to the beginning of 2008 mm-hmm. wow yeah yeah <laughs> i wow. know insane right 16 years ago <laughs> and we were just we were amazed because it was it was i want hillary because we need a woman to be president no, I want Obama because it's time to have a black president. Right. Woman, black, woman, black, well, woman, even, black. And even after, and remember Warren Buffett stepping up saying, okay, I'm going to donate equally to both. Yes. Like, <laughs> way to be committed. And, you know, and and then after it looked like he was, uh, Obama was going to become the nominee, then it became more of that. You'd have the celebrities, um, who was it, Tom Hanks? who did the nine or 10 minute video pointing only to a skin color and nothing about the qualifications of the individual. And we said, look, if we were in the Obama campaign, we'd say, Mr. Hanks, that's very nice. Thank you for, you know, your kind words here, but could you do it again? And this time mention something about the man himself and not just his skin color. And we, but we saw that over and over again. Remember Opie, Ron Howard. Yeah, same thing. You know, same thing. Didn't, wasn't the Fonz on? Yeah, the Fon- a, and the Fonz was on it. And I, I think uh, Andy Griffith, I think, was on it. Yeah, you're yeah. right, Andy Griffith. Was and yep. and so it was like you know, and they were the entire time. It was this big endorsement of skin color, and not the person, not the qualifications of the person. And you know, we were like. Wow. By the way, I do wonder if today you could get away uh, how it would shape up what the ads or endorsements from celebrities would be like. If it were Obama today and Obama were shaping up in 2024 to be the first black president, given where the left is, I don't know if it would be acceptable to have, you know, Tom Hanks and Henry Winkler and, and Ron Howard you know, and all of these white celebrities that are on board, you know, you, got, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, wait a minute. Who are you guys to say? Because you can't predict where the left is going to, what they're going Pres- to be offended by. I have the term for it. Mm. <laughs> Presidential privilege. <laughs> Endorsement privilege. Yeah. Presidential. Endorsement privilege. Uh, 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 a privilege and uh, what do they what do they call it? Oh, I forgot it. Uh, uh, what's the word? Mm. Um, oh, appropriation. Yes, exactly. Right. You're white. Right. You can't say you're going to vote for somebody because they're black because right. you're white. Right. Right. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I think I think I'm right about that. I, well, at least I suspect that would be the case to some extent. You probably still have celebrities saying, "Oh, I'm voting for Obama." But it would be like, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. And, but this is, you know, do you remember the pledge? Oh my gosh, I just thought of that now. That Anthony Kiedis, yes, I pledge 
only to flush after a number two, not a number one. Right. By the way, I'm going to hold him to that. I'm going to ask him. From the, red hot, ever, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yes. if I ever see him, you know, on an oldies tour or something, I'm going to ask him, hey, first of all, love the oldies. Uh, second of all, actually, I like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I like each of the individual players in the band, but it was just so ridiculous that, you know, this pledge to the person. See, it's, you know, there's the difference. It's That was the spectrum, right? Okay, it was about the skin color and then making a pledge blindly also to a person. Because what I'm looking for is qualifications. The individual, yes, but behind that, the foundation of that being the qualifications of what I think they can get done, which is why Trump was so unique, because he didn't have any public sector experience whatsoever. And a lot of people were saying, hey, we actually like that. And so it, it clearly worked for him in 2016. And now as a former president, I think he has more. It gives him his service in that four years gives him, I think, even greater standing. But who this was is, who was the celebrity, though? I got just back to the pledge very quickly because mm-hmm. it was so superficial and dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was just it yeah. showed how childish yeah. they are, the, the, the childish mentality yeah. inside of Hollywood. Who was it? Was it a, a rap star who said, I keep my lights on in the house all the time, but uh, now that Obama is president, I make sure I turn off all the lights when I go through the room. That's their pledge. I think it, I was it P Diddy or somebody. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, just, but yeah, it was it was just so incredibly bad. Well, it, it was. I mean, this ple- It's like we didn't care about the planet. Yeah. Now we care about the planet. And by the way, once he's gone, we're not going to care about the planet. If he loses in twenty twelve. To, to a Republican, we're going to quit caring about the planet again. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you bunch of losers. I want to play. The, I, I found the audio. Okay, this All is right. uh, simply on the. It wasn't my computer. Oh, good. It was. Okay. I was on the wrong page. Ah, okay. Uh, but uh, this this is uh, Lee Zeldin on uh, on on CNN mm. uh, about uh, the Michigan primary mm. uh, last night and the difference in the number of Republicans that came out versus Democrats. Mm. You know, there, there's a big enthusiasm gap. If you if you look right now, there's you know 26, 27 percent of the vote in uh, between the the Democratic turnout, the Republican turnout. Uh, the Republican turnout is right now far trouncing the, the Democratic turnout. Um, and that's the percentage of, of the total vote that we're waiting to come in. It'll be interesting to see what comes in from Wayne County. Yes, I get that. But President Trump's number at the moment is actually more than all of the Democratic Party primary voters together. So I, I would say that President Trump, when looking at the amount of people who are coming out to vote for him mm-hmm. tonight, would be very encouraged by the amount of votes that Anderson he is getting compared so, to all the Democrats. Go. Okay. There you go. Um, and then this one here. Mm. Okay, this is John King. Uh, this okay. also on CNN. This mm. is what Joe Biden received. Again, forgive me. One thousand one hundred and forty-one votes. Dean Phillips, fifty-four votes. An uncommitted. Make sure I get this right. 3,703 votes. So that's a wow. If you look at it this way, this is 23%. And this is 75%. Um, And so this is just the city of Dearborn. But that is where 
the biggest pocket of the Muslim American, the Arab American population. This is a place President Biden carried big time in 2020. This is key to his chances of defeating Donald Trump in Michigan again. So that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, 75 percent uncommitted in uh, in 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 Wayne County. But like mm, just mm, overall, mm. I mean, the number when you see last I saw Trump was roughly up. Trump had three. Excuse me. The Republicans had over three hundred thousand more people come out mm. than Democrats as of uh, about an hour ago. Right. Looking right. at and we we're, we're not at 100 percent. The Republicans were near. 80%, the Democrats near 70% yeah. of the, the uh, precincts reporting. And so the precincts, there may be some large precincts coming in from the Democrats, mm. but Trump had more votes, and that's held up throughout the night. Trump had more votes than all the Democrats that came out yeah. in their primary. Yeah, it's crazy. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's her Curly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the uh, top of the hour, we'll have the the uh, the ad uh, that uh, a a pack for uh, uh, Trump put out yesterday on the Lake and uh, Riley yeah. murder. Yeah, and extremely effective. First thought I had was, okay, it's online. You're going to put it any place, mm. or you're going to wait because that you know you you run it while it's hot. But the ad is extremely effective extremely effective well and one of the things about that if the ad is effective and it has a viral tone to it then it will be shared by a lot of people so that's true a lot of that circulation and saturation in the digital world will happen because people will want to get that word out uh, for the campaign and so i will see how how that you know plays out i would love to be able to measure those metrics though I mean, we can see them, we can see it playing out anecdotally, but I'd love to get into it. You know, Nielsen, the ratings company actually does that now, but I don't know. You can see it like on a YouTube video, how many views it has. Uh, Certain platforms will show you how many views it's had, but we've seen some ads in the past actually go viral because they're shared so much. So that's going to be a great benefit that costs you, except for the production of the ad, costs you very little. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One.
now. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Hello. All right. What you got? Well, you and I uh, talked yesterday about the, uh, and, and the day before, about the uh, horrible uh, uh, Lincoln-Riley uh, murder. Yeah. And the Democrats and the media attempting to come out, and, and we brought up all the arguments here. You can't look at an immigration system and take one instance and say that's reflective of the immigration system. That came from Representative Porter, the Democrat. Yeah, right. I believe from California. Mm-hmm. She said that, and we're like, whoa, you need to shut up. Because this isn't, and this, this isn't following immigration law. This is Biden not following immigration law. Yep. This is Biden reversing what Trump put in. This is Biden not abiding by federal law. And it's why it's happening. That's why it's happening. And sanctuary cities is why it's happening. And you can't, maybe you could have used that in the past, but now with everything over the last three years of the insanity at the border. And now, I mean, you've got, when you got Adams, Adams again this week in New York city, stating we we can't be a sanctuary city anymore. We can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. Uh, it's a different time right now. It's a different time than it's ever been when it comes to the border. Yep. It's never been like this. When you 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 and I start out the show saying, "Whoa, <laughs> look at this," uh, the Monmouth poll showing that the majority of Americans now want a wall. Yeah. Whoa. Right. Well, we're like, whoa. That's wow. new. That is new. That's new. Yes. And and so we're looking at, you know, what are the excuses that Democrats are going to make? Well, yesterday it seemed to stop. Mm. You really didn't see anything. Right. You know that they don't know what to do. You've got, uh, you know, Corrine Jean-Pierre and everything else, uh, mm. you know, asking the question, what, you know, and, and uh, even Kirby, too, being asked the uh, questions about, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, the information was out there that the president was going to use executive orders to stop this. Right. Now, what's going on now? And they're backing off from it because of the blowback they've got from it from Democrats, yep. which is the entire point. That would be very simple. You know, they threw that out as a, a trial balloon. Let's see if Biden get away with this. Uh, Biden is thinking of putting out some executive orders. You had Mike Johnson. Sec- the uh, Secretary of State, good God. The Speaker <laughs> yesterday when talk, went going to the White House said, I told him, you can do this, and you know you can do it. Right. It was very blunt uh, with the President, you can do this. And so they're trying to still, well, they were. They didn't yesterday. I think they've real on so many of the issues, they can't make an argument anymore. And I want to play this, uh, it's audio. Uh, and it's a comes from uh, the uh, the MAGA pack, mm. 
Uh, so this isn't Trump, you know, didn't authorize this. You know, it's a, it's a pack that runs it. Right, right. And uh, it starts out with breaking news. And it's all about the murder of Lake and Riley and what, you know, and sanctuary cities and what the Democrats have said about the border over the last three years. You and I have always said it. You always said just point. Yep. And then we both said and then put it in their own words. Exactly. Yep. You don't need to do anything. You don't need. The ads are built for you. You just have to piece it together. But it's all all the elements are right there. And this is an example of an ad that does that. Yeah. Here we go. Let's play it. All right. Following some breaking news out of Athens, Georgia. Two colleges have canceled classes today as police look for a murderer. Lake and Riley was described as a shining light. Dean's List nursing student. Police arrested 26-year-old Jose Antonio Ibarra. Ibarra crossed into Texas illegally back in September of 2022, then was released into the United States on parole. We're confident this border is secure. We have a secure border. We agree that uh, the border is secure. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. The border is closed. The border is secure. We have taken unprecedented action. Look, the border is not open. Fox News can now confirm that Jose Antonio Barra was busted last year in New York City. But ICE didn't even have time to put in a detainer on him because, hey, he was already back out on the streets. There it is. And then uh, all across the, the the entire screen, you're not safe in Joe Biden's America. Mm-hmm. And this is, if you've been a long time listening to the show, you know we've said this to Republicans for the longest time. You don't need to even have your face in these ads anymore. Nope. You don't need to be a part of it. Nope. All you need to do is point and go, boom, here's what's happening. Here's what they said. Yep. I mean, that's really all it is. Right. and And... It is, and everything works heavily in your favor because these are not, again, issues in the abstract anymore. All of these scenarios are playing out when it comes to the border. All of these things are playing out in front of people every single day. The murder is top of the news. It's getting tons of attention as it should. The massive amounts of people in blue cities where the people in those blue cities are are screaming saying what are we going to do about this all that's playing out this is not the abstract anymore on the border issue it's not hey what if we did this or this idea of we're going to be a sanctuary city or we're going to do this or everyone is welcome and Americans are done with that. And when when you look at an ad that's put together, and I think this is a really great ad, and go straight to that point, tell me one piece of hyperbole here in that ad. There isn't. There's not even no. a stretch. There's not even not even an inch. Nothing. When it comes to hyperbole in that ad, it is played. I mean, you could say, well, the music is dramatic. Everything that's playing out right now is more dramatic. I'm thinking to myself, well, they got some dramatic music in it, but it really doesn't say uh, it, the music isn't nearly as dramatic as the reality. And that's where we are. The reality is playing out. and You're making a connection with people because they're seeing it 
everywhere around them. And when you bring that in, you, you compartmentalize it within that ad. That's what you're trying to do and, and send that message. And people are shaking their heads going, they're not wrong. Well, the, the ad is effective, number one, because it, it explains, you know, the consequences of the border policy. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that, and that's number one. This is the consequences. This is one of the this is a consequence of the border policy. Someone got killed. And right. so you have the Democrats and the media, mainstream media, stating, well, you can't take a look at just one instance and, and say and extrapolate that out uh, to an entire immigration system. Well, of course you can. Yeah, you can. And then the other argument is, and I, by the way, I don't know whether the num- the, these numbers are, are true or not, but mm. we saw this and talked about it the other day where it was, well, uh, uh, Ill- illegal immigrants and, and migrants uh, don't commit crimes at the same rate as American citizens. It's like, that's a horrible argument. Right. That's a horrible argument because what you're, as I gave the example, I live in an apartment with two other people. By the way, I don't. Another cat. Uh, but I live in an apartment with two other people, and they're ripping me off. The cat's ripping you off, that's for sure. The cat's... <laughs> I'm sure of it. There's no telling what the cat's doing right now. Well, so far the vet bills haven't got me. <laughs> but it's like, so, but they're ripping, they're stealing from me. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to, you know, and, and, and so somebody came in because they keep the door open all the time. Mm-hmm. Somebody came in and ripped me off too. And I'm being told that no... It's ridiculous. You don't need to close your door because your friends, your roommates are stealing more than the person who came through the open door. So keep the door open. Right. Yeah, but if the door was closed and locked, that person wouldn't have come in. There would have been fewer crimes. I mean, they're just, they're dumb, stupid arguments that they're making. Yeah, they are. And so it makes the case that, you know, this is the consequence of this policy and then it very clearly and concisely shows you that the administration and everybody working for it has completely lied to the American public. And you get that all in in a minute. Yep. And you are yep. drawn yep. to it. We know yep. that, you know, at the when there's a when there's a murder, something like this, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they have the beginning, you're watching it. Oh, yeah. You're watching it's like, yeah. oh, wow, look at yeah. this. Yeah, that just happened. That just happened. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to run that ad now. Right. That ad. Yeah. You may run other yeah. ads down right. the road, right. but you you put out that ad now because the immediacy of people talking about the the horrible murder of uh, Lake and Riley. And so very, very effective commercial. You, you, Trump doesn't have to be in it. No Republican has to be in it. All right. you do is point and say, this is the insanity of what they're doing. All it's, right. it's straight on on the issues, and it is an issue that the American people are absolutely screaming about right now. I mean, there's no way around it. We've said you, you take the personalities out of it and then talk the issues. I mean, you have to bring the personalities in at some point. Talk the issues and see where, see where you – because that's your foundation. Do you win – Without bringing in the personalities on the foundation, do you win with the American people? Republicans win all day. That is landslide territory. We started with, you know, the beginning of the show going, you know, because you were talking, you and I were talking 
as the music kicked in to begin the show, talking about, you know, the new poll that shows most Americans want uh, are, are for a wall, which is that's new. Most Americans wanted a secure border. When you brought the word wall into it, and the polls, for some reason, started to go all over the place. Probably because it's not for some reason. It's because it was associated with Trump. Now, right. that's done. Think about that. And then I said to you, I said, well, and if you add to it what we were talking about yesterday and the fact that Trump actually gains a couple of points in the polls, if he's convicted on the January 6th thing, think about those two things alone. The wall... And January 6th conviction, if that poll is accurate, helping him right now, not working against him. Yeah. That's insane to think about when you go back and review any of those things over the years. It, that's insane. And I said to you, my gosh, we could see a landslide here. I, I don't know that that's we don't make predictions. Right. Right. We want to be careful about that. But, man, if that is close to being accurate, then there's no telling what November looks like. And a lot can happen between now and then. We, we're we not the guys that scream, ah, this is, we don't know what's going to happen. We'll tell you the night of November 5th of next year, <laughs> when, the, when the votes are finally counted. You mean this year? <laughs> no, next year when the votes are finally counted. Oh, oh, oh. It'll take oh, a year oh, to count oh, them. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. I get yeah, the old ah. joke. Okay, yeah, it it'll take a year, That's uh, but we'll finally learn. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it is a it is it's fascinating to me, and it is it an awakening. We've been asking the question, Barry Weiss. This is a a a liberal journalist, and we use the word journalist in its true form there, because she is a journalist. A liberal journalist who has written recently about saying she was wrong about Trump. Trump was right. Think about that. <laughs> you know, when you have liberals looking at it going, yeah. I mean, Michael Rappaport gets a lot of attention because he's been pretty loud on, on social media. And he's had some choice, choice words and names uh for Trump, but he said very clearly, I don't care. If it comes down to the two, I'm not voting for Biden. I'm, I'm voting for Trump. How We've been asking the question, how far can you extrapolate that out? We're careful to point out that, you know, you shouldn't try to do that because you, you just don't know. There's certain elements, especially when you go state by state. But we go back to what happened just hours ago in Dearborn, Michigan. But I don't think it's just Dearborn. I think that's part of it. I think that's part of the problem for Democrats. Yeah, but Dearborn's an ano anomaly because yes, you've got you've exactly. got people living in Dearborn that are pro Hamas. Yeah, so that that really is well, indicative but, of the American public. Well, no, no, I'm not trying to make that point. I'm trying to look at it state by state. What's going to affect each individual state? Because when you try and extrapolate it out, people make that make that mistake. Of extrapolating out on, it's just like the, the media doing the national poll. Well, the national poll on voting doesn't work that way. Elections are held by the states. 
So then break it down into the individual states where Biden could be weakened. And right now, it's shaping up for him to be performing a lot worse than Hillary did in 2016 in a number of those states, including Michigan, for a different reason. But in those in those states, he could lose big time because of things he's doing. It's not just Dearborn in Michigan. I think it's something else. I think there's something else going on. And maybe, just maybe, the union giving, what was it, 48000 to Republicans recently? Is that a shift in the mindset of what's going on? Union leadership saying, yeah, a great number of our union members will be voting for Trump. That's not a small thing, especially in a state like Michigan. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Uncompensated detention at docks frustrates drivers of all stripes. If you're an owner-operator, you have at least some control over the matter. Make the subject a standard part of your rate and or contract negotiations on the front end. You can use your own numbers to calculate an hourly rate to compensate for lost income opportunity, as well as fixed costs, which don't stop when the truck stops. Those two elements of a fair detention rate were deemed appropriate by most of Overdrive's audience almost a decade ago. We've used income, fixed costs, and miles average of our owner-operator business services from ATBS's clients to compute an average $64 an hour detention rate then. And 10 years later, the figure is $83 an hour. Use your own numbers to calculate your rate. A simple conversation with any broker or shipper or your carrier, if you're leased, about what you're putting in the rate might yield results you don't expect. Owner Operator Business 101 is provided by Overdrive's Partners in Business Program. Go to overdriveonline.com to the Partners in Business section of the website for more details on this and many other topics. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, it was six days ago. Uh, that uh, all the mainstream media, CNN, New York Times, NBC, CBS, ABC, all of them came out and stated that uh, uh, U.S. officials are telling them that uh, Biden, uh, you know, wanted to use an executive order yeah, to right. stop the flow at the border. And we all went, whoa, wow, does he realize what he's doing? That shows how desperate they are. Mm. We'll get to some of the uh, the audio of Kareem Jean-Pierre and John Kirby yesterday attempting to answer that, uh, you know, or, uh, answer the question about executive uh, orders, mm-hmm. I think that's dead now. I think the response came back from the left, absolutely not. Because you're giving away, yeah, yeah. you know, you're already in trouble, and you're already in trouble, and now, by doing it, you would give so much ammunition to the right, stay, saying, see, we told you so. We well, told you he yeah, could stop it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, it would be a concession. You can't do that. Right, so uh, this was... This is something that was leaked. It was leaked as a trial balloon to see how it right how it would uh, how it would go. We'll and get to it that. Did, it didn't go well. No, it didn't.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thank you so much for uh, being here this morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today, and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, some uh, audio yesterday from the uh, the White House press briefing. Uh, of course, a ton of stuff on the border. you that you can share about the president's visit to the border on Thursday? Does he have any plans to announce any executive actions? So I don't have anything to, I'm not going to get ahead of the president, don't have anything to, to uh, announce at this time. We've... There you go. That was on, will the president announce any executive action? Uh, no. Uh, that was the question that was uh, the asked. She has nothing on that. Here's Kirby. Speaker Johnson came out and, and, as he said before, that, you know, southern border has to be addressed before um, before Ukraine aided funding. Um, they are saying that this shouldn't be done legislatively, more so that it should be done by rolling back executive orders or changing it from an executive perspective. Uh, is that part of these discussions, and is the White House ruling out undoing some of the executive orders from earlier on in the administration? I'd say a couple of things. First, the president has taken executive action at the border, and, he's, and he certainly will continue to do so as a... Well, yeah, he's taken executive a- action at the border. That's why yeah, we all know hell has it. broke loose we at know the border. We know what caused it. I, I, I know, and then, then he went on to, to say that... Uh, uh, we need new legislation and all this, which means they're backing off from it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's like, whoa. What's the other? I wanted to play one more audio cut here. Mm. Um, and this is where uh, this is where uh, Trump's going to. And, and by the way, the the fascinating thing is. And I know Democrats were shaking their heads over this one. Uh, Trump announced he was going to the border, and then afterwards Biden said he's going to the border. Now Trump's going to meet with the Border Patrol Union president, mm-hmm. you know, and the Border Patrol Union saying everything they're doing is the wrong thing. Right. Biden's not going to meet with the Border Patrol Union head. Here's that. Brandon Judd, the president of the National Border Patrol Council, uh, the main union for the Border Patrol agents, will actually be joining Donald Trump on Thursday um, for his border visit. And he said he actually did not receive uh, an invite from the White House. And we were wondering uh, what your response to that is and if there was any reason why. So, look, I, I will have more to share on what Thursday is going to look like. We'll have more to share on who is going to be joining the president. I don't have anything uh, beyond beyond what I just laid out. Uh, but it is a fact that the, the Border, uh, the border uh, Patrol Union did in, indeed uh, uh, so, uh, so it's just it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. As we all know, as I've mentioned before, as a blah, 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 and then just pointing to the obvious of what's happening and then not answering the question. Thanks again for nothing. Wow. Oh, mm. I just it's off the topic of the border, for example, but I, I just wanted to do put this one out. You and I talked about what a horrible moment it was. When Biden was eating the ice cream cone and was oh, asked about, gosh. you know, the negotiations and said, oh, yeah, I think something's going to be happening this weekend. Then you and I came in last night. We saw the Times of Israel. Was it the Times of Israel? Yeah. yeah right. That had come out and said, no, we're there is no deal. Hamas won't deal with this at all. Right. And and we went, whoa, well, was Biden jumping the gun on it? Well, this is the asking the question. Uh, one of the reporters that. Uh, Netanyahu, you know, basically said he was surprised by Biden's comment mm. that there was a possibility of a ceasefire in Gaza. Here's 
Here's this. Just to follow on we just previous question, though, we've learned, according to an Israeli source, that Netanyahu was quite surprised by the president's comments about his expectations that there would be a ceasefire by Monday. So that doesn't bode a lot of optimism that one of the key parties was surprised by that timeline the president had set. So why did he say Monday? I, I can't speak for uh, the surprise that foreign leaders have or don't have. Regarding- uh, but the answer was out there. Right. The Michigan primary. Mm-hmm. The Michigan prime, that's why he wanted Dearborn. Right. And if he can say there's going to be a ceasefire, because it really came out quick right after after that from the Times of Israel. And you and I asked a question. Nobody seems to be covering this. This was on last night's show. Why is nobody covering this? Well, because the mainstream media can't put it out there because it it ruins the plan in Michigan. You're looking to get, as you know, hoping you can turn around this whole uncommitted thing in Dearborn. You know, you, you got to get uh, Biden's got to get the pro-terrorist vote has to. He's desperate for the pro-terrorist vote he, in Michigan. He has to. That's what it is. As you said, day one, there Radicals, is no middle. There is no middle ground here. Radicals and everybody else. And it just it, it's being demonstrated fully and completely every single day. Here it is. A majority of Americans, for the first time, support building a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border, according to a poll released on Monday. Mm. Respondents to a poll from Monmouth University favored building the wall by a margin of 53 to 46 percent. It's the first time a Monmouth poll has found majority support for the measure since a group began surveying uh, respondents uh, on it in September of 2015. Mm. Support at that time was 48% in the past nine years. Support for the wall has grown among Republicans, independents, but fallen among Democrats because Democrats want an open border. Yep. Also in the poll, 84% of respondents said the issue of illegal immigration was somewhat serious or very serious. 61% said migrants seeking asylum should wait in Mexico while authorities adjudicate their claims. Wow. While 35% said they should be allowed in the United States. That's definitely solid That's Democrats. Democrats. Yeah. Additionally, a plurality said the Senate's bipartisan border deal uh, from from weeks ago was not tough enough on illegal immigration. Wow. You know, the focus on Michigan. Look at this. Mm. 47% said there wasn't enough. Mm. uh, 45% had no opinion on whether they favored or opposed it. Yeah, you do. You just won't say it. Wow. Yeah. You just won't say it. As support for the wall hit a new high on Monday, President Joe Biden's approval on immigration hit a new low days before we talked about this. Mm. We had said, you know, they were promoting this fact, promoting this fact. Americans must really be paying attention to it, uh, what's going on. Or even if they thought it was a good bill, they went, doesn't matter what's in the bill. Yeah. It's the fact that there is no enforcement mechanism for Biden. And clearly the American public knows that they've been gaslighted on it, which which makes you ask the question. Why would they gaslight on it? 
Why right. Why would, and we had played the, the commercial in their own words, mm-hmm. the border is secure, the border is closed, the border is secure, the border is closed. Why would they gaslight? What do you mean? You don't know the border's secure? Right. And again, it's like um, the, uh, the, the guy in Iran... Yeah, Baghdad. Bob. Uh, not, uh, the guy in Iraq. Excuse Iraq, me. yeah. Baghdad, Baghdad Bob. Baghdad Bob. Mm-hmm. And and uh, then the reporter sitting out there with flames, a, a city burning behind him. Yeah. Saying mostly peaceful protest in 2020. Right. Yeah. But this is every day you've been getting this for three years up until a couple of months ago that the border's secure, the border's secure. The, and then you look at the film behind it and it's like, what are you, nuts? And so you have to ask the question, and many... Uh, many independents are. We know Republicans always have. Why would they lie about this? Why would they so blatantly lie and say the border is closed and the border is secure when everybody knows that's BS? By the way, the whole mostly peaceful protest is a lot like what they're doing on the border, isn't it? Well, it's just we're talking about just one person or we're just talking about you know, we can't let that represent the entire border issue. That was it's a mostly peaceful pro it's Gary, it's only one fire. Now the fire spreads over seven square blocks, but it's only one fire. Look at look then this. This is how insane it is in the Democratic Party. <laughs> and this is not over the top hyperbole at all, even though my voice might give the indication that it is to somebody who disagrees with my point of view. Our three billion listeners know that we don't do hyperbole. <laughs> New York's just listen to this explanation. Mm. Listen to what listen to what Adams had to say the other day. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is calling for changes to the city's sanctuary policy that helped an illegal alien walk free without being turned over to immigration and customs enforcement agents who is now accused of kidnapping and murdering 22-year-old Lake and Riley in Athens, Georgia. Here's the quote, all right? Think about this if you were a Democrat, and this is what you had to say because this is how insane your party has gone. Mm. For those who are committing crimes, we need to modify the sanctuary city law that if you commit a felony or a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. In 2017, then Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the bill that said they must, New York State must turn criminal illegal aliens loose after they are arrested on local charges, even violent circumstances. I mean, if you're a Democrat out there, you gotta, you, you have to be, if you're listeners, you gotta be going, yeah, okay, you got a point there. This is pure idiocy. Okay, so, you know, uh, tonight, lots of fo- focus, of course, on Michigan, and uh, and for different reasons. Now let's go into Fetterman territory, right? Where's Fetterman been on the border? Fetterman actually isn't going along with his party. And why is that likely? Because he's hearing from the people of his state. And remember in 2016, we were saying toward the end, hey, watch Watch Pennsylvania. Watch Pennsylvania. We don't think the polls are demonstrating what's everything that's going on there in Pennsylvania. And we ended up being right. And Fetterman on on uh, Hamas and Israel and Fetterman on the border. 
Fetterman's a liberal. This isn't Fetterman becoming more conservative, but Fetterman recognizing what his constituents are concerned with. The point being is as we go through state by state by state, I'm wondering what's going on right now with Pennsylvania. I'm wondering with states like that, other, you know, areas where, you know, it could go either way, but Trump has won before on the border. Is that because what was the poll? What was it about uh, three or four weeks ago? The poll that came out that said it was number one. The border was number the number one issue even yeah. over inflation. Yep. Um, and we wondered at that time, well, are people just getting used to the in, resigning to the fact that inflation's here to stay? Uh, high prices are here to stay. And then there was more data that came out actually after that that showed we were right in questioning that. But the the border being number one. Well, if that's going on in Pennsylvania, I I think that's, you know, you know, Dearborn's not a small thing in Michigan. But I think in those states where Trump won in 2016, I think there are some some very key issues. If you look at inflation and if you look at the border, those are the two top issues right now. Those are heavily motivating factors. People want their spending power back. And they want this border thing cleaned up. And you know something, too? You, you know, you could throw Ukraine in there, but Ukraine actually, nah, because yeah. of how they're negotiating it, is a border issue. No, it is. It is. You're absolutely so you're really, right. It's inflation well, because, in the border. Well, because yeah. they're, they're comparing it and going, well, wait a minute. We're going to give money to Ukraine to secure their border, but we won't secure our border with a pen? Yeah. And that's a very effective argument. That's right there. <laughs> and in and, and, and that right there could be playing out we'll see what kind of bearing it has november 5th Eight six six ninety red eye coming up more with gary mcnamara and eric harley it's red eye radio It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, just uh, looking at the numbers again in uh, in Michigan. And uh, as of uh, right now, um, you have the Republicans with uh, the Republicans drawing 400,000. Uh, this is, you know, rounding off. Yeah. 400,000 more people to vote in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm than voted in the um, Democrat primary. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I believe Trump himself has more than all of the Mm. people that voted in the Democratic primary. Trump has more votes himself. Wow. All right. 748,000 just to a little bit over 700,000 for everyone that came out for the Michigan primary Democrat. Now, again, uh, it's 92% in for the GOP, 80% in for the uh, the Democrats. So that could change. And there may be some large precincts out there. But the number, as Mm. we go through the night, it keeps going up and up and up and up. Mm. Mm. Because last time we reported it was 300,000. Yeah. Interesting. Does that reflect the excitement level, the political excitement level? Maybe. You would think. Yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Good morning. All right. Let's see what Wacko Sulu has to say. All right. It's time for our Star Trek update. Okay. Star Trek actor George Takai has claimed that Republican politicians will use the murder of Lake and Riley as justification in creating internment camps for illegals like those for Japanese Americans during World War II. Never again, an indignant Takai wrote in a recent ex post. Hmm. Yeah. Well, no. You, there is a there is a difference. Well, there's yeah, there's a huge difference. Massive difference. American citizenship. There you one. go. That would be that would be the key difference I would think. Yes. And I know he lived through it, but in fact, all the more reason that he should know that one massive Everest of a mountain difference between non-citizens and citizens and they're not it wouldn't be camps it's detention and it's part of the immigration law and it's not republicans it's in the law and the way that it should be done or if you're seeking asylum wait in mexico well was he upset about the obama cages i don't remember that was he upset about detention camps or excuse me detention um, uh, they're not called camps. What are they called? The detention facilities. The detention facilities. Was mm-hmm. he against them when Obama was using them? Not that I recall. When Clinton was using them? No. Not that I recall. Again, this is just the insane. Well, he's just, he's a nutcase, though. Yeah, he really is. I love it. I guess Shatner doesn't even bother with them anymore. Remember, they used to go back and forth on social mm. media and stuff. Mm. <laughs> I do remember Chachi and Fonzie did a couple of years ago on something. Yeah, I forget what that was. Yeah. Henry Weaker. Uh, Hen- Weaker. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Weaker. Freudian slip, maybe. Uh, Henry Winkler for a lot of folks, gets a pass because he's such a nice guy. And he it's is like, a nice guy. He, yeah. he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. I like him in the Sandler movies. Yeah. He seems pretty funny. Yeah. You know? But he's also wrong on many things. I believe. So, yeah. But it, I think it was a very friendly back and forth. Well, I think he Scott was... Bale. I think on Happy Days, he was quite the misogynist. Mm. <laughs> A, snapping his fingers. <laughs> and the girls would just, like a magnet, boom, they're just there instantly. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> never works. In real life, it, it in real life, it doesn't seem to work that way. It doesn't. 
It doesn't. Even my my well-trained pet, who I used to be able to, you know, just kind of clap and call her, she doesn't respond to me anymore. Think about it, though. <laughs> you know, I'm, we're, we're laughing because we're kidding. But if Happy Days came out today, the left would go crazy and would call him a misogynist, the character. Well, well number one, theft of service uh, or just theft on the whole jukebox thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's... He was he was stealing. He, you're you're getting you're getting that play. So he's not no pay for play is is what be the case in that <laughs> scenario. Hey, and he um, was assaulting the machine. Yeah, exactly. He assaulted the machine, possibly doing long term damage. We never saw any real damage, but you know, I I'm not Arnold. I'm not the proprietor. And I don't even want to talk about what might really have been going on in the bathroom when he went in to comb his hair every five minutes. Y- yeah. That seemed <laughs> weird. Just a character named <laughs> Potsy. I, I don't even know where yeah. that goes. I don't even know where that goes. Potsy was probably into some edibles. I'm thinking. How else do you get a name Potsy? It's got to be about weed. <laughs> it was about weed. You want to know why he was such a nice guy? Because he was high. <laughs> everybody, Everybody's <laughs> very nice when they're high. And everybody loved him because he shared his stash. Exactly. Ralph Mouth. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe a little too caffeine. Uh, you know, it's just. Mm. All right. So I have to tell a very quick story. Mm-hmm. This had to be 70, um, it's either 74 or 75. Yeah. And it was the summertime, and I was working uh, in downtown Buffalo at uh, at the bank. Yeah. And uh, we would get an hour lunch break. Okay. Mm. And it was, it was great. I mean, I, and I, I probably was the first year. I'm going to guess it was 74 then. Mm. When did Happy Days come out? Was it 74? Well, it was either the summer seventy four or seventy five, but during the beautiful summer days at lunch, you just you just go and you walk yeah. downtown. It was cool to do that, you right. know. And I was in college. I'm like, okay, I got my suit, I got my suit on, and everything else. I'm a banker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me just uh, walk with the rest of the professionals. And briefcase? Th- did you say briefcase? Did you have a briefcase? No, I I didn't. But Steinmetz did. Okay, Steinmetz was the guy who traded me, and he had a briefcase. All right. And every time I see the Seinfeld where Kramer's going to work and Jerry goes, what's in the briefcase? What's in the briefcase? Crackers. Exactly. Uh, I, I, think of, I think of Steinmetz. And, yeah. uh, and he, he's the guy who trained me. And I'll never, I'll never, I remember, you know, you make the first call as a bill collector, you're praying nobody answers. Oh, that first call? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was like, and then, then you, you finally got used to it. But it was like, oh, no, that was a scary thing. But uh, yeah, he had a he had a briefcase, and everybody used to ask, "What's he carrying in it? You don't take anything home with you." I mean, it's like everything stays here. You, you never needed a briefcase, but he had he uh, he had one. But uh, the Happy Days crew uh, was in was in town, and it was downtown at lunchtime, and they had a stage and everything else. Now I was too late for that, but I was walking through one of the department stores, and there in the other aisle, Potsy and Ralph Malve. I mean, it was just great doing an like, appearance. No, they were just walking, walking. 
They're just in the store? They're in the st- it was after the whole thing presentation. There they are both walking. All right. Anson Williams and I can't think of Potsy or Ralph's uh, name. Yeah, I forget. <laughs> I'm totally blanking on his name. But yeah. I, I can just see, do you hear those guys really tearing apart the institution of happy days? Mm. <laughs> they called Fonzie a misogynist. <laughs> well, if the leather boot fits. If the, if, if the dingo boots <laughs> fit, then uh, a oh man, yeah. Hey, we didn't. I never tried to jump a shark. You know why? Because that would be stupid. Now, wasn't leather Tuscadero Susie Quattro? Because there was two Tuscaderos. There was Pinky and Leather. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that you remember Pinky. Oh yeah. Remember the, I, I have not seen a Happy Days in 30 years. And yeah, all these things yeah. are popping back. Remember, it was the Valachi brothers. Remember they had the uh, uh, the Demolition Derby? And Fonzie was in the Demolition Derby. Oh, yeah. Like, I think and it was the, the, and the dramatic, you know, when they would go to a commercial break. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I think it was the Valachi brothers. I remember talking to my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, a few years ago, and I said, because we said something, we were talking, we were in the kitchen, we were talking about jumping the shark. I said, do you actually know where that came from? You know, doing a generational test, you know, litmus test? No. And I told her the story, and it was so underwhelming. <laughs> I'm, she may have fallen asleep. At some point, she just kind of, we were doing a task in the kitchen and she was just looking down. It's possible she slept through part of it when I told her the story. Yeah, it's, uh, that was, that yeah, was television, like, must-see TV. You you mean jumping the shark? That term came from Fonzie jumping over a shark? He yep. Literally on skis. Yes. <laughs> While wearing a leather jacket. jacket. <laughs> yeah. He jumped the shark before jumping the shark by putting on a leather jacket with water skis. Seriously. I mean, how do, this is the thing because that was back, you know, network TV. Now they weren't getting, you know, the, the massive amounts of money. Uh, that like Charlie Sheen was getting toward the end of Two and a Half Men. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting, I don't know, what was he getting? 50 million an episode, <laughs> whatever it was. Yes. And, but it was still for the networks, of course, primetime TV. And back then, no cable. So you had primetime TV and you you just had to hold on to the show, whatever the show was. Then, you know, Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams, that spinoff from Happy Days. Uh, you know, Joni loves Chachi, Chachi and uh, uh, Fonzie goes to college. Whatever they did, all of the, you know. Um, Potsy gets mellow. All the spinoffs from the show, you know, you're just trying to hold on to the, the cash cow. You know, and it, it, they just had to come up with something new. Potsy gets mellow. Potsy gets mellow. 
Potsy and Chong. <laughs> hey, Starring man. Tommy Chong. <laughs> hey, man. So your name's Potsy, huh? Okay, man. Gary Marshall did say, though, I mean, the one thing about Jump the Shark is he goes, they technically didn't because the show went on for a number of years afterwards. It was like, okay, the right. show's been on too. Oh, I yeah. had great ratings still yeah. after that. But that's, yeah, that's where it comes from, from people that don't know. We'll, well probably get an email saying, I never knew that. From, yeah. You know, from younger people, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was still, I mean, you know, the fact that it lived on with, you know, I don't know, happier days, less than happy days, days that weren't so happy, all the spinoffs that, you know, remember the whole after mash? Oh. When they were at the hospital? Uh, oh. Uh, after mash. What's and- his name? Uh, the, the. Serious one they did with, um, oh, um, and it wasn't uh, Wayne, what's his name? It was the different, what was, what was the, Trapper John M.D.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Pernell yeah. Roberts. Yeah, and it was a serious, you know, drama show. Yeah. A full hour. Yeah. And it wasn't a comedy. That was kind of wild. Well, they did the same thing. Mary Tyler Moore became, remember, Lou Grant. Lou Grant, yeah. Yeah. It's like. You're making it serious? Right. Well, if you're going to have a, you know, drinking problem at work, <laughs> you want to carry it on for an hour-long drama, that's probably the natural progression on that one. All right. So I, here's a question I have since we've, we've uh, oh, oh I, I told you this yesterday. Hmm. I, bec- just because of being on the shift and everything else, I really haven't seen a ton of law and orders. Right. Yeah. And lately on the, the weekend or even during the afternoon as I'm doing my show prep and you know, yesterday was watching. I didn't get a chance to do it yesterday, but yesterday was watching the uh, you know the Fonnie Willis thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a different type of law and disorder. But yeah. I, and I hate. To, I mean, he's a raving liberal lunatic, uh, Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Oh, it's what a it's, great actor! It's unreal watching him. Oh, the writing too. The writing of how yeah. he interrogate. I'd never see, and I know. I know I'm coming 20 years late. <laughs> yeah, no. on this, but no, I've, he he's what he does. He's one of the best at it. Yes, he is. Yeah, it, I can I can disagree with him off the stage, off the set of the shows. You know, in his in his activist side, a hundred and ten percent. But man, if he's on the screen, I'm I'm watching. He's just it's yeah he's it's wild how he's fantastic how good he is and and he brings that element it's it's kind of you know he just brings that little bit of you don't know where he where the character's going yeah you don't know how you truly don't know it can be ten minutes from the end and you have no idea how it's going to end up because a lot of actors going, yeah. will, will frankly just walk in and you know they deliver the line and, they, and some actors just have a presence and they kind of and that's their thing they just have a presence in the room and then all of a sudden they're out of the scene but when he's in a scene it's like okay stop where's he going oh. with this and uh, Jack McCoy yeah Sam Watterson his last yeah. episode was last week yeah yeah uh, but the difference was in criminal intent. I haven't seen one where they're drinking cocktails after the big case is done. Mm. Oh, that was, that yeah, was no, a Jack McCoy. Point. That was a Jack McCoy, Adam Schiff. Yeah. Not right. the Adam Schiff from California. Right. The not original. the, not the real, the, the yeah. actual real Adam Schiff, the one who has some critical thinking skills. And I'm thinking to myself <laughs> that you and I most, that really doesn't go on in real life. 
Well, it probably is last week and this week with the Fonnie Willis case. Those lawyers are probably drowning in alcohol. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody, judges chamber party. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bring all the alcohol. Where's Potsy? Yeah. Get Potsy in here. Tequila. All kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to hey, that Potsy's coming up. here. All right, man. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Now it's a party. <laughs> We're not prosecuting these crimes anymore, are we? No, yeah. no, no, not if it's Potsy. No, 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 no. It's, it's no. just the Potsy stuff. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't remember. <laughs> 866, where are we going? I have no it's idea. It's middle of the night. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, we will get uh, to what I thought was one of the highlights of the Bonnie Willis uh, disqualification hearings, which was really, really tough to watch. Yeah, right. Because the witness really wouldn't answer any questions. Uh, But they sort of got what they wanted. But I think what the witness will do is the witness will lead to the fact that the judge will say, okay, we're going to allow all the texts in. Right. <laughs> and look ah. at that. Uh, but we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Nearly half, this is a problem. Our climate change update and the problem for, for Democrats and climate change, everybody wants it. Nobody wishes to pay for it. Nearly half of all young voters are not willing to pay more than $10 a month to fight climate change. Guess what? Hmm. You're paying way over $10 a month right now. Way over 10 bucks a month. Way over 10 bucks a month. You look at the cost of of uh cap and trade type policy and yep. you know, the whole thing, climate change policy. Oh it, my gosh, 10 bucks? Right. You're you're not, you know, you and a lot of I wish I could get back to 10 bucks a month. Well, what, what would ele- <laughs> what would electricity what would electricity be like if oh there was gosh. no wind and solar? Oh my gosh. And remember, the subsidies, you're paying for it in the subsidies because that comes out of your taxes, what too. If, what if we were opening up everything and we had a, a long-term national policy on oil and gas exploration? Man, we'd be crushing it, and energy would be cheap. Very, very cheap. Yeah. I can't imagine. I wish it were only 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. If you could get it down to 10 bucks, tell me how. I'll do that all day. The cost of vehicles. The what cost is- of the cost of everything. Tell me where it doesn't because uh it doesn't matter what you buy, it's got to get on a truck at some point. Uh it doesn't matter, you know, where you're working or where you're living, you got to have energy. You're paying for energy and you're overpaying for it because of the cost of government because of the climate change policy. You're 10 bucks a month. No, no, no. no. We passed that many, 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 many years ago.
Observing and analyzing the sanity. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Nightly on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, so here's, let's let's delve into this uh, poll uh, that was uh, done on uh, climate change. And the headline is, nearly half of all young voters won't pay more than $10 per month to fight climate change, creating a potential issue for President Biden's campaign. Mm. Nearly half of all young voters are not willing to pay more than 10 bucks. Uh, 45% of the youngest crop of voters aged 18 to 34 would be willing to spend $10 or less per month to combat climate change, according to the survey from CRC Research. Uh, CRC Research for 85 Fund, obtained exclusively by the Daily Mail UK. And one out of five, 20% of the same age bracket responded they would pay nothing. Oh. Pay anything. The results are similar across voters ages 25 to 34, which may be a wake-up call for President Joe Biden, who continues to call climate change the most pressing threat facing America today. The findings are surprising considering, by the way, they're not surprising. The findings are surprising considering young voters cite climate change as the top political issue and is expected to be a key motivator heading into the 2024 election. Hmm. President Biden is putting climate change at the center of his re-election campaign, calling it the last existential threat to a small group of donors at a California fundraiser just last week. Quote, we have a crazy SOB like that guy Putin and others, and we always have to worry about nuclear conflict, but the existential threat to humanity is climate, he said. That's a load of horse manure. Mm. The CRC research poll shows that although younger voters may be passionate about the topic, they don't want to spend any of their money on it. Apparently, they don't know how the liberals want climate change legislation to work. Yeah, apparently so. Um, Said Steve Malloy, lawyer uh, who uh, briefly worked at Donald Trump's Environmental Protection Agency, despite claims that they are leading the charge on climate change, it turns out young people are actually just sheep in wolves' clothing. They demand climate action, but demand someone else pay for it. Oh. And that's why I said it's not surprising. Right. Same thing as Obamacare. Right. We, we want Obamacare. Know, we didn't know we were going to have to pay for it. Oh, I got to pay for it? Well, remember, there was an actual couple. I mean, we, we say oh, yeah. that, but we're actually, I don't know, I think almost verbatim quoting that couple in California. We supported Obamacare. We didn't know we were going to have to pay for it. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's, that, well, you, you remember California, mm-hmm, Colorado mm-hmm. and Vermont all yep. brought up yep. socialized medicine. Right. On the state level. On the yep. state level. Yep. Sorry, can't do it. People got to pay for it. Unless we unless liberals can borrow from future generations. That's the only way they don't want government health care. If they have to pay for it or they see an increase, they don't want it. Same uh, here. In climate change, the CRC research survey also found that 26%, this is a really interesting part now, mm. that 26% of 25 to 35-year-old voters would not be willing to pay anything 
to combat climate change. But the numbers increase when you factor in all voters. When combining all ages, 42% said they would pay nothing to fight climate change, while 18% said they would spend between 0 and $10 per month. With, uh, But only 7% of the respondents in the online survey say they would be willing to commit more than $100 a month to combat climate change. When you talk about energy prices and how they've increased, when you talk about taxes that have to go for all of the subsidies, when you talk about the increase in automobiles because of electric vehicles, you're already paying $100 a month. Oh, yeah. With 60% of Americans unwilling to spend more than 0 to $10 a month to reduce the impact of climate change, these results should serve as a wake-up call, said uh, Jason Isaac, CEO of American Energy Institute. American people are sending a clear message. They don't want to foot the bill for Biden's kooky and costly climate policies. Wow. I'm trying to see here if anything else. uh, Nationwide, 73% of Americans believe climate change policy should reflect Biden's commitment to cut greenhouse gases in half by 2030. Another survey conducted by the Center for Climate Communication found that 52% of voters want President Biden to do much or much more to address global warming. So, again... You know, we talk about this across the board, though. This is the problem. You know, we talked about the, the with uh, with government spending right now. When the Republicans are talking about, you have a small number of conservatives saying, we need to cut, we need to cut, we need to cut. Mm-hmm. The problem is, Americans will say, we need to cut. The budget's in horrible shape. The debt is just horrendous. And so we need to cut. Well, just cut foreign aid and wasteful spending, and we should be able to get there. Yeah. So Americans want a virtue signal on one end. This is what we want. This is what must be done. But if they're going to have to pay for it or they're going to lose a benefit, hell no. Well, the um, I forget who it was in the parking lot of Walmart. Hey, we got a petition here to get the pay increase for workers at Walmart. You willing to sign it? Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, we're also taking up a collection to benefit these workers that don't. Make, can you give money? No. That was great. I'll never forget that. Remember uh, Liam Neeson? He was uh, doing an interview for one of his movies, (laughs) and they were talking about equal pay for women in movies. Do you think there should be equal pay? Yes. Well, you're the star of all of your movies. Are you willing to give up some of your pay for women? No. (laughs) What he's saying is, I support this until I have to pay for it. And that's the, that's where we live right now. Yeah. And we saw we saw the signs with Obamacare. We saw it when California tried it, when Colorado mm-hmm. tried it, when Vermont mm-hmm. tried it. Mm-hmm. It failed. Right. Why? Because they ha- they can't go into debt like the federal government. Yeah. And so you've got to pay it up front. And it's like, well, no, we want it to be free. Why do you think? Why do you think the push from liberals have been to have nationalized health care instead of, hey, 
Each state can decide what they wish to do. And if you wish to have fully paid health care from your state, go do it. Yeah. Because right. even the most liberal states don't want to pay for it. This is the delusional world that the left lives in. We want what we want. We want it now, but we're not willing to pay for it. Someone else has to pay for it. Yeah. Who, who isn't paying their fair share? Right. Could you define fair share? Yes, fair share is me not paying and somebody else paying. Because that's what fair share is. Oh, yeah. Because no, no, they've never, somebody else. Because they've never, ever been able to define what fair share means. Right. And that's the beauty of using that as a political argument. Well, right. And I like the polls that showed... When people say, well, rich should pay their fair share, and they say, okay, here's what the rich pay. Or what do you think the rich pay? And they always lowball it. They all believe the rich are paying a lot less in taxes than they are. Right. Well, and, and here's, get this, the U.S. Department of Treasury, uh, when was this published? I think it was last September, September 23. And here's the title of the study okay. from the U.S. Department of the Treasury, the impact of climate change on American household finances, not the impact of climate change policy on American household finances. They want you to believe, well, because there's climate change, you're paying more. Yeah, well, Janet Yellen, of course, as the uh, extremist that she is. She's a radical. And, of course, that's going to be their approach. Well, no, but look at what you're paying because of climate change. Take the policy out of it. This is how they get away with it. They keep coming up with garbage like this, saying it would be if we could just solve, if you just keep paying more on this end, you won't be paying it on that end. That's... That's the liberal form of government right there. If you just give up everything, we'll save the planet. Just give us all your money. We'll save the planet for you. Well, it shows that climate change is just virtue signaling. Yeah. It sounds good. I'm on that side, but don't tell me I've got to pay for it. Right. Somebody else should pay for it. The right. evil corporation should pay for it. They pass the costs on to you. Mm -hmm. No, they don't. Yeah, look at gas prices. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's only gasoline. The gasoline and the oil companies are the only ones that are evil and greedy. These other companies are, are, are greedy the same way, but if you tax them more, they won't pass it on to us. Yeah. Right. Or there'll be no consequence of it. Right. If we're going to be in a nation of uh, economic illiteracy, that's what you get. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, somebody else, corporations need a. That's the dumbest thing. I tell you, though, it's one of the most successful, uh, uh, I think, uh, pushes on an issue that the liberals have had. They've been able to convince, you know, they've been able to convince the stupid American public, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Gruber, yeah. <laughs> that corporations are greedy, mm -hmm. but that they won't be greedy if you tax them more because right. they're greedy. They won't pass on the cost of that tax to you, the consumer, because as soon as they're taxed, they'll stop being greedy. Yes. All of a sudden, they'll think of you more than they think of themselves. And so you end up paying the cost, and it's a stealth tax because <laughs> you cannot, 
You cannot break it down. I would like, you know, because the Democrats always scream transparency. Let's have transparency uh, in corporate taxes and see how it affects the cost of prices. Let's tell that to the American people. I think that's a that's a fair thing to do, right? Yeah, sure. If one side believes that corporations pass it on uh, to their consumer and they use gasoline prices as an example, which is a great example. Sure. No, no, it is. Because whenever the cost goes up, boom, it goes up. I mean, you see how quickly that fluctuates. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. But we live in a virtue signaling world. We're not, we really don't want it. They really don't want to do anything. We just want to pretend that we're doing something. Sure. This is where, you know, my dad, uh, you know, we, we talked about when my dad said, look, the public wishes to be BS. And I, you know, as an ideologue in my teens, mm. no, dad, people want the truth. He goes, no, nah, you're going to find out they want to be BS. That's because they're BSing themselves. Right. Well, if you we, can live in the delusional state, that's fine. Right. You know, it's if I can just keep in this delusional state, then I'll 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 welcome those lies those same lies coming from the government yeah no doubt and i'll help pass them along to everybody else oh wait i have to pay for it that's when reality hits when it's time to pay 866-90 red eye get in touch with red eye radio toll free at 866-90 red eye It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So the Cato Institute did the same kind of study back four years ago? Yeah, uh, March five of uh, 2019. Yeah, five years ago. Uh, March of 2019, they put this out, and it was about uh, electricity bills. 68% of Americans wouldn't pay $10 a month in higher electric bills to combat climate change. And so it's interesting, the chart, a dollar a month, 57 this again is on your electric bill, Fifty-seven percent said, and that's not even like massive amounts. A dollar a month, right? I mean, for those, it's you have to break it down into those who, you know, are are buying into climate change and those who aren't. And in this case, quite literally, ten dollars a month. Twenty-eight percent don't. Twenty-eight percent are in favor. Sixty-eight percent no. Twenty dollars a month, it goes up a little bit. So you've got 30% who favor, but you've got 69% who don't. $40 a month, 23% favor. Again, 69% don't. $75 a month, 15% favor. 83% don't. And then $100 a month, pretty much the same as $75 a month. That was just on electric. Just on your electric uh, electric bill. bill. Yes, I mentioned. Well, you know the difference? Hmm. Why there's a few more percentages higher for the higher amounts? Inflation. What we've experienced now. Now that people are tightening their belt, they have no extra money. Yeah, you well, asked the this question is, about climate. This change. is 2019 before inflation really uh, that, took off. So. That's what I meant. Yeah. Oh, the you mean... difference between your poll and the poll oh, okay. that I, I read here yeah. is inflation. Right. Yeah, no, that would be it. Because yeah. now they're already paying higher and they're paying, right. again, another cost of government. Related to that as well.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. As always, we appreciate it. We really do. Yeah, we do. Not just saying. We we actually mean it. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. We yeah. know we know that uh if you weren't there, we wouldn't be here. So thank you. Right. I mean we'd be somewhere, you know, mumbling and and all that, but it wouldn't be here. And nobody would be paying us. So Eric you. Eric would be the Democratic mayor of Austin. I would be. <laughs> I would be keeping it weird. <laughs> Keep Austin weird. Hey, you know what was sad yesterday? I mean, really, really sad yesterday. Hmm. Uh, and he died back in early January. Gary Sinise, his son, died. Yeah, a rare form of cancer. Oh, that man. That's, that, um, you know, when you get down to it, the survival rate for this cancer that is was in his spine, in his son's spine. Uh, his son Mac um, passed away January fifth, and the family's just now. Gary Sinise is just now able to post about it, but this rare form of cancer that is in the spine, quite often, in fact, most often. Um, in 70% of the cases, and again, there are a few cases, um, there's only a handful of, of people that die each year from it. A couple it. of hundred, yeah. And so it's thirty, roughly 30% do not survive, but 70% do after the surgery. And, and quite unfortunately, um, over the last uh, few years, going back to actually 2018, um, his wife, uh, Gary Sinise's wife, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then a couple of months later, their son diagnosed with this cancer of the spine. And eventually it, it led to uh, their son being paralyzed uh, from uh, the chest down. Uh, he really only had the use of, of his right hand. He was able to do some things. They were working on music. His son, uh, Mac, was a, uh, a piano player. He, he was a great musician, as his dad describes him. And he was able to finish writing some music with the use of his right hand and and some technology that allowed him to essentially write the music, even though he couldn't play it. And his dad came up with the idea of, him learning, Mac learning how to play harmonica. And he learned how to play it and actually performed it on an album that was released and uh, shortly after it was released uh, or that it went to the presses, I think, that it was printed, um, he passed away. That was January 5th of this year. And, you know, 
And he was part of his father's uh, foundation. Yeah. He was assistant yeah. manager of education yep. outreach. Yep. He had to give that up. I mean, because yeah, he just right. got, yeah. he had, he'd gotten so sick, he just couldn't do it anymore. Right. Uh, but he helped his father help veterans. Yeah. That's what he did. Right. And, and uh, when uh, the, uh, you know, the uh, Lieutenant Dan Ban, I, I can't, I don't know the name of the, the regular drummer, but mm. when he couldn't be there, his son filled in. Yeah. Yeah. And and Gary Sinise was talking about, but I mean, I uh, I put it on. Uh, uh, I I couldn't even know. It saddened me so much. I just put the hands yeah. praying and yeah. American flag and hearts, whatever, because I didn't know what to say. It it really got to me because you you see Sinise, what he did after Forrest Gump, yeah, yeah, is just way 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 beyond what you would expect anybody from hollywood ever anybody forget about hollywood would you expect anybody to do and he was into it he committed to it and you know he's and so did his family he's, he's a man clearly on a mission and he has his efforts have benefited so many uh who have served uh, so many of the families of the fallen and you know, it's it, it's like he just doesn't know how to stop doing that. I mean, it, it's just it, that was clearly once that started, it was his life's mission and, and still is today. But that tragedy striking the way that it has, you know, impacted his family from the diagnosis on. Um, and then, of course, with the loss of his son, January 5th, uh, Max Nice, um just a, you know, I wasn't aware. I was aware that his son was part of the organization. I I knew that, but I I had not followed along closely with his illness. Anytime parents outlive their children, you know, um, it's it's tragic. It's just absolutely tragic. And uh, in his message, Gary Sinise posted and included, that his heart goes out to any any of the families that are suffering losses, and and he's been right there with a lot of these, as we mentioned, Gold Star families over the years, through his organization, and doing what you can. You 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 bring certainly bring awareness uh, to giving more appreciation and support for our veterans, but then beyond that, you know showing love to these families who are suffering that loss. And, you know, for those parents, that void is always there. It's, you live with it. Um, it's happened in, in, in our family. Um, my wife's uh, brother passed away years ago and, and I know that her mom and her dad, you know, live with that still today. And it's something that, uh, you know, as, as they always say, it, it, it shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be that parents outlive their children, but it, it often does. Yeah, my parents outlived uh, my older sister. And that yeah, was, you know, yeah. that was, it, it was devastating for all of us. But I know for them, you know, it was really, really, really hard. When my, when my cousin died of a massive heart attack at, at 38, I call him, my, I always called him my twin cousin because we were, uh, we were born just a couple of months apart. We were very close growing up, but. You know, at the service, um, you know, you you do your part to keep it together and, and just try and 
you do your best to keep it together. And, 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 but when I saw his parents walking down my, my aunt and uncle uh, walking down the hallway to come in, I mean, it just, it, it was just, again, that part of it has always just been for me, um, especially sad. And, and as you mentioned with, you know, your family going through that, um, and, and someone you see, you know, from the outside, while you may not know, personally know a, a Gary Sinise, for those of us who follow his work, you know, I mean, not even as an actor, you know, through his foundation. And and he's just one of these people that's the beacon. Every time you see him, you know, that effort, which is a great effort to be respected and and supported and, and also that smile, you know, Sinise has one of those smiles, really great smile, you know, that, and you know, when the band is playing and they're playing for troops and, you know, they're giving it their all, they're having fun, they're doing everything they can to bring that joy. Um, but to know they were going, the family was going through this all these years and then ultimately losing Mac in, in January, mm-hmm. just, it's devastating. And, and we all feel that grief for him. And, and the thing is, too, I mean, I've, I've always looked at uh, Sinise and say, I always say to myself, you know, since the very beginning when you see him talking about it, because the foundation's been around for a while, my gosh, Forrest Gump is almost 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, is, will it be 30 is, years is, this is, year? Is it 30 years this year? 94, 95? Yeah. I want to yeah. say 94. And... And that's what drove the whole thing, you know, his Lieutenant Dan character, as we know. Yeah, uh, 94, and, yeah. And, you mean, you, you see you see Sinise, you know, Gary Sinise, mm-hmm. and you think he's in Hollywood. Now, he was, I mean, he was, uh, I think him and John Malkovich helped form the Steppenwolf uh, uh, Theater in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so he was, I mean, he was an actor. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a working, you know theater actor and so you you look going to hollywood and everything else and you're like never changed him there wasn't a bit you you see gary sinise and he was all about he was all about service yeah he was all about service to others and he looked and said okay who sacrifices the most that's who i should serve the most and so his whole family was into it his kids Mm -hmm. you know were into what he was doing everybody was yeah his uh, i remember his you know uh, an interview with his wife saying you know does it take him away? Yep. It's worth it. Yep. It's worth it. You know, everything that he does. And so th- no narcissism, no arrogance right. to him, a true man of service, who, by the way, also, I believe is a, you know, I've always thought was a great actor. But yeah. You know, yeah, I, what, which Absolutely. one, uh, what is it? Uh, CSI New York or one of them? That's, yeah. Yeah. CSI right. New York. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he was great. And I always look, you know, the thing is what the image that comes to my mind when I saw this yesterday and I was so sad. What came to my mind, and it always does, because it's a great moment in Forrest Gump when Forrest is getting married. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, L- Lieutenant Dan walks up with his, you know, fiance mm-hmm. with his magic legs. Yeah. And, yeah. and you see somebody who was, because the story really had to resonate with soldiers that have been injured. Yeah, sure. Because in, in that, you know, he came across, he was angry, he was bitter. Yeah, he sure. felt you know probably betrayed. There were so many. There were so many things he would that character was him. dealing with, and, and to to yeah. see how you know, and then to see him come up, and when they just looked at each other, there's that scene 
where that you yeah. see Force looking at him and go, Lieutenant Dan, yeah. he's smiling, and then it goes right. You just mentioned I, Gary Sneeze's smile. I think that right, was the first time in right the to movie that, he yeah, smiled, right? right? Yeah, right to that smile right yeah. there. Yeah. And you just, your your heart is breaking and absolutely joyful at the same time. Right, yeah. At the, for everything that he's gone well, through, and, I mean, your heart, you know, the character, what it went through. And, and then know, to, to he, see what he took, to see what he did with that, with the foundation and everything else. Yeah. And how his son and his family embraced it. And they were all part of it. And, you know, they were a family. They are a family of service. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a picture of him standing next to his son, Mac. And the smile on both of their faces. But the smile on Gary Sinise's face, face is the... It's the smile of a proud dad. I mean, it's what it's just, you know, they're just standing there together, and it's, man, you know, you can't put a price on that uh, kind of joy as a father. Um, and so it, it's the, you know, the heartbreak is, I can't imagine. And again, that void is is there uh, as a parent. That void is going to be there with you. You know, as as they're no longer there, the one thing that you know he, you you kind of when you step back from it and, and you celebrate the life, and you also share that with others. For those of us who who weren't intimately familiar with Mac, you share that with others, and that kind of sets the example. That becomes a legacy, as it should be, you know. And it was just heartbreaking learning of that, you know. I it was when it comes to celebrities, it's you're endeared to a lot of them because of their work, of what they do, right? Of of um, Leno announcing recently his situation with his wife and dementia, mm-hmm. you know, and and Leno's just always been one of those even keeled guys, you know, and stand up comedy. You and I. Both huge fans of stand-up comedy, um, and you you associate with their work, but Gary Sinise's work, you know, has always been about bringing joy to others who were dealing with so much, so much. Whether it's Gold Star families or veterans, mm-hmm. they're just dealing with so much, and you he, doing basically making that sacrifice himself, you know, to say, look, this is going to be my life's mission. This is what, you know, this is setting that goal. This is going to be my work, my life's work. And just doing it. Not saying, oh, I love to do it. Not just writing a check, but actually getting out there and doing it. His life. is an inspiration. His, you know, he still a working actor, but yeah. outside of that, his life was, is his foundation. Yeah. And his son, too, like I said, his son worked full-time. And it, that when you saw the description of what Gary Sinise said his son did for the foundation, mm-hmm. I mean, he did everything. I mean, he was yeah. like, he he probably, when you think about it, because Gary Sinise busy making movies and his son worked full-time for the foundation, mm-hmm. you know, he probably was one of the major people that you saw when you actually dealt with the foundation. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he did so many. When you see the list of what, and, and by the way, I put it on my uh, Twitter page yesterday, mm-hmm. um, Gary at Red Eye One. If you want to check it out, mm-hmm. um, at Gary Red Eye One, isn't it? At what I say, at Gary at Red Eye One. At Gary at Red Gary, Eye One. At Gary Red at Eye, Gary, Eye One. Gary, Red Eye right, right. One. Thank, yeah. thank you. Um, 
funny thing is, I mean, it's I first time I saw Gary Sinise mm-hmm. was in uh, with John Malkovich in Of Mice and Men. Yeah, that's a great movie. That is a a great that version of that is a great version of that of, of that yeah. story. Yeah, and and at the, I mean, it's it's it connected with me in a way that the original didn't and i know a lot of people will scoff at that oh the original is always better yeah well my mom always loved the original she never sure. saw this one and she goes and well, i've could, already seen it i don't yeah. want to see it. and she said i don't want to see it it's too sad of a movie well no it is a, <laughs> it's a sad movie but i think both uh with malkovich and and gary sinise uh their both performances were unreal in that movie unreal you know and yeah it's um you know, but uh, I'm sure that will be, and, and Gary Sinise would want it to be, the legacy of his son, Mac, to, you know, uh, carry on with the work that they're doing and make making sure that the organization and, and the awareness and everything surrounding it. Remember, the uh, original was... Only gross. The original Mice and Men was 1939. Yep. I know. Crazy, huh? Burgess Meredith, the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Noah Berry Jr., Rocky on the Rockford Files. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready, and having any shipment paperwork, such as bills of lading or hazardous material shipment emergency response information, organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, The top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the bottom of uh, the hour, latest on the Fonnie Willis disqualification uh, uh, hearing. Didn't mm. go good and probably won't continue to go good no. uh, from what we have seen so far. Do you remember just, uh, what was it, when Fonnie Willis, when she testified? Mm. Forgot what day it was. Mm-hmm. Remember the liberal media? Mm. Like the first day, it was like, oh, this is horrible. Then she testified. It was like, oh, wonderful. And you notice how everybody is... Shut up now on the left. Yeah, right. Nobody wants anything to do with it. They don't want to touch this. Yeah. No, they don't. And it's getting worse by the day. Yeah. It just keeps getting worse. I know.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. Thanks for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. Yes. All right. So uh, the uh, Bonnie Willis disqualification hearing uh, continues, and this is the uh, uh, the uh, Bonnie Willis uh and, uh, you know, going after uh, Trump uh, and using the RICO Act to go after Trump mm-hmm. for the 2020 election. And as uh, we know, she campaigned on uh, on doing this and then uh, hired somebody who really wasn't qualified to prosecute as the head of all of it. And then mm-hmm. we found out later on. They were boyfriend and girlfriend, mm-hmm. and then more text messages came out here in the last few days that shows they said they were only boyfriend and girlfriend after a certain date. Uh-huh. And apparently that's untrue according to text messages that have come out. And so the whole point is they're going after Trump uh, for, wow, I just love this. they're going after trump and here they may be charged with perjury yeah yeah the district attorney might be charged with perjury and i want to get here not yet i gotta i gotta i just made him okay i got it here all right i want to go to part of the testimony yesterday because what happened yesterday was uh former nathan wade and nathan wade was the attorney hired uh, by uh, Bonnie Willis, um, the he got a divorce. And that's how they first started finding out about all this stuff. Right. In the divorce papers. And this is former Nathan Wade divorce lawyer, Terrence Bradley, who testified yesterday. And the claim was, well, he knew. That they were dating way before they said they were dating mm-hmm. and what they put officially into court records. Right. And here is part of that. Yeah, And I would just say this before we get into it. This was really unique because what you have here is <laughs> lawyers going after lawyers. Yeah. And so you can hear Terrence Bradley. You can see his mind working. Mm. How can I answer this without answering it <laughs> or without indicting yeah. uh, Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade? Yeah. How can I answer the question by not answering the question but not commit perjury at the same time? On the stand. Oh, you, it's a balancing act. You can see his mind. Work, and the long pauses, that that's the when, one thing. The pauses went on sometimes for a minute. He would just sit there and... And because we're playing the audio from it and you're not looking at the video, then in your mind, close your eyes unless you're driving and picture him on a high wire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it sounds like so- how you would talk while trying to maneuver a high yes. wire. Here's here's part of this. Uh, now, we can't play they, this a couple. It was hours long. I think yeah. it was like two, almost two, uh, two and a half hours mm. that he testified himself. Yeah. Here we right. go. Bradley. Okay. When you spoke, when you communicated with Miss Merchant, did you tell her any lies 
about Mr. Wade and Ms. Willis's relationship. <laughs> this is what it was like yesterday. Did I lie to Ms. That's a simple question, Mr. Bradley. You're a lawyer. Did you lie to Miss Merchant when you told her facts about Mr. Wade and Miss Willis's relationship? Not that I recall. I, I don't recall. Um... I mentioned earlier that I speculated on some things. Um, I've testified to what I did know, uh, so I, I, I can't recall whether or not I... No. Mr. Bradley, speculation is kind of a weaselly lawyer word. Let's speak <laughs> truth here. Then You're under oath. argumentative at this point, Your Honor, not asking relevant questions. Mr. Right, Bradley. Let's find a question, Mr. Rice. Mr. Bradley. When you were communicating different details of the relationship between Miss Willis and Mr. Wade to Mrs. Merchant, did you lie to her about any of those details? Objection. Asked and answered twice. Uh, I don't think he's answered it yet. I don't recall ever um, whether any of it was a lie or not. Well, this time, so. at the time you were communicating with Miss Merchant, you were still friends with Mr. Wade, correct? Yes. And at the time you were communicating with Ms. Merchant, you knew that she was talking to you in her role and capacity as an attorney in this case, correct? Correct. And you knew that she was going to use that information to somehow benefit and file a motion and benefit her client, correct? I did not know that. Okay, so I, I did not. Well, I'm sorry. So as, as an attorney yourself, you are testifying here under oath that you had no idea what Miss Merchant was going to do with all the details that you were giving her about Wade and Willis's relationship. So at the time, no, I did not. I knew that Miss Merchant was gathering information. That is correct. Okay. And did you lie to her when you told her that the relationship began before right. 2020? I don't think we need to drill into specifics. He's covered it at a high level. I don't think we're going to get much out of this. Mr. Bradley, isn't it true the only thing that has really changed? Well, you were speaking to Ms. Merchant, whether by text or by telephone. You never said to her that I don't remember or that I'm speculating, correct? I don't recall. Well, you've looked through a whole lot of text messages. Do you remember ever seeing any communication from you that said, I don't remember? Okay, and that's that's the continuation. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, I, I apologize because the one thing you're not supposed to have in radio is dead air, but you needed the dead air there just to show you to make the point to yeah. make to make the point of how he was thinking. And when he said, "I'm not," when he made the point, "I'm not really sure whether I lied or not." Mm -hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, I just. But yeah. if you want an example <laughs> of why in popular culture we hate lawyers, there it is. Yeah. 
It depends on what the definition of is is. And and so I like it when he said, "When did you did you uh, at all?" Because he said, "Well, I did speculation." Well, did you tell her you were speculating? And this is uh, the uh, Marchant is the lead attorney. Uh, she's not yeah. answering. This this is uh, her partner's asking the, right. the, the 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 question here because it's all based on the text messages that came out over the the weekend that showed that he knew uh, that they were having an affair, whatever right. you want to call it, right. way before they they told the court uh, that they uh, that they were. This is going to just blow this to pieces. I don't know how Fonnie Willis survives this. I really don't know because now it's not just about whether she should, should step down from it. It's also whether she lied in court. So I don't know how she survives this. You know, one thing about her performance, and I call it a performance because that's exactly what it was. She was angry that day. She was clearly angry. That other lawyers, how dare you question me? Mm -hmm. I'm the one going after Trump. I'm going to be the hero. (laughs) Well, not so much. And then, of course, angry that the divorce from her, you know, uh, the divorce situation with her now ex-boyfriend is kind of how it went went down. And so her ex-boyfriend's ex kind of put this into motion because, you know, things happen when you're getting a divorce. Truth happens often when you're getting a divorce. And she's she was clearly angry, but I, I I sensed that she was also auditioning for her next job, you know, to be, I don't know, on MSNBC or The View or something. It's the problem is is that when you forget yourself and your arrogance drives you to that point and you're, you know, you're in the how dare you mode. You forget about the truth. You don't care about the truth, and you don't care about telling the truth inside of a courtroom. And as a lawyer, that's the worst mistake you can make, and you know it. I just thought it was interesting uh, what Marchant's partner was was uh, uh, asking uh, uh, Terrence uh, uh, Bradley when he said, well, you know, I, w- I was speculating. Mm-hmm. Well, did you put in the text messages that you were speculating? Well, um, you know. Did you did did you write it down in the text? Because the whole point here, what they're what I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the text messages uh, admitted as evidence here. Yeah, and right. and he's and uh, Terrence Bradley isn't helping it, Fonnie Willis's case at all. No, and so when he's playing stupid that he had no idea why Marchant was you know communicating with him, he knew that was that's a oh lie. yeah yeah. Well, I can't recall. I can't recall. I can't recall. Which isn't exactly a no. It's not a yes or a no. It's I can't recall. But when she asked him, can you find anywhere in the text messages where you told her you were speculating? Because you're saying it now, but if you didn't say it then, yeah, you know, you're a lawyer. You know, and I like how many times they said, you're a lawyer. You know how this works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's the weaseling out. Even when when the lawyer lawyer caught him on the, the speculation. Well, speculating, eh, that's a weaselly lawyer term. <laughs> and a lawyer saying it. I love it. that. That yeah. was great. I love that. And, you know, it's it's clear. Um, look, there is, right now, it's, this whole thing could implode. And if you think about that, 
and also the state of New York's case against Trump. If both of those, because if he's, if Trump's, and we know that he's filed the appeal, I still haven't heard anything on any kind of emergency relief, you know, from his lawyers asking the, uh, the appellate court for emergency relief on the fine thing. I, maybe that's something that is going to happen. I don't know. Well, if you get a stay on it, you get a stay on everything. So I guess you ask for this. Well, well, that's it. Right. If, 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 and have and, you know, if that happens before the fine has to be kicked in. Or, well, well, maybe you don't. I, I may be wrong on that. You're talking about New York. I don't know. You may have you may have the appellate court look at this and go, no, that's you know, look. You can't you can't do this. That that if you make the case as they do these defense lawyers. That we believe, mm. you know, we believe that we can win this case on appeal because of this, 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 and this, and because there were no damages at all. Yeah. There was no injured party. Right. There was nobody bringing this. There was nobody who we claim are victims that themselves said were victims that this this uh, a judgment amount is just ridiculous, and they're trying to keep him from having uh, his civil rights here where he can't appeal by doing this, you may find a sympathetic judge. And look, they're going up the, they're going up the chain. Yeah. They're going up right, they're they're right. going up the chain because eventually that'll go to the Supreme Court. Right. But the oh the other one is uh, Jack Smith coming out yesterday and it said before, you know, it's the the fact that he's he made the case about uh, uh, Trump and the uh, the classified documents mm. where he said, well, Trump committed obstruction of justice. Yeah, he tried, and the as Andrew McCarthy said, well, then charge him with obstruction of justice only. But you're charging him with espionage, you know, the on the Espionage Act, and you're not charging Biden. And as he writes here, in many ways, Biden's offense was more extensive than Trump's. As president, Trump was undeniably authorized to keep classified intelligence in his possession, at least until he left office. His offense was moving highly classified documents to Mar-a-Lago which was not an authorized location once he left office and retaining them there. Uh, uh, This was limited in duration. Biden, on the contrary, was not authorized to ever possess national defense information outside a secure Capitol Hill location while he was in the Senate. Yet he took documents from their secure storage and kept them at various private locations going back decades. He was well aware that he was in possession of classified mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. for decades in unauthorized places, but he maintained it there so he could easily refer to it. Uh, and that's why uh, her concluded that his offense was willful. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. And finally, Andrew McCarthy makes the point about Jack Smith and his thing. Well, the the two cases are different, Biden's and uh, and Trump's. That's why uh, Trump's going to be charged. And one of the points he made was, well, uh, when he was caught, he cooperated, Biden. Well, mm-hmm. number one, they didn't cooperate at first. No, they as didn't. you remember, right? But as Andrew McCarthy says, that's that doesn't mean anything. You don't drop charges because. When somebody is caught doing something, right? They finally admit that they did it, right? They don't. You don't sit there and go, okay, we dropped the charges because 
You cooperated once we caught you. Exactly. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.